0: Welcome to Burnside at Home, this is our alternative form of worship during these days of coronavirus at lockdown. You're very welcome to join with us to worship God and there are various ways that you might be doing that today. You might be listening on the telephone or you might be listening via the podcast. What follows in this recording is the audio of the video that has been put out on the internet this week of our church service. I'll begin with uh, the introduction, uh, then a prayer, a bible reading and the sermon. If there are other parts of the service I'll put those On at the end, so uh, they may well be a little bit out of sequence but it allows you to listen to the sermon first of all if you want to and then you can find the other bits as well. Uh, Last week I added an extra bit behind the sermon and most of you stayed listening for that so that was very encouraging. Uh, So I'm going to do that again this week. Maybe uh, there's a little spot called Why Jesus and we'll see if we have room for the children's talk as well. Uh, So hopefully you find this recording useful. I hope and pray that you're keeping well in your homes and staying safe at this time and i just long for the time whenever we're able to meet together again in the church building and worship our lord physically together but in the meantime let's worship him in spirit and in truth and this is our service for this week welcome once again to port stewart and to burnside at home thank you for joining with us today although we're still in lockdown and we can't meet physically together at least we are able to gather in spirit and in truth to worship our Lord and Saviour. If you don't normally go to church and you're joining with us today, you are very welcome. And throughout our service, we're simply going to turn our attention to Jesus Christ and find out what he has to say to us in these troubled times. In our service today, we're going to focus around one verse. It's from 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. And it's a promise that God makes to the children of Israel and therefore to us today. And in that verse, God says to them, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. So we're going to look at what that means for us together in this day and age. How we can humble ourselves. And we're going to ask the question throughout the service, why am I so arrogant? Why am I so arrogant that I think I've got the answers and I know better than God? Why am I so arrogant to try and come up with solutions to things rather than looking to God and asking him to help? Why am I so arrogant to think that I can do things with, about my own sin rather than turning to God and confessing my sin and asking Him to deal with it? And so we're going to try and humble ourselves in a world where we're told to raise our heads high and we're told to stand up for ourselves and we're told to do things ourselves. And as we humble ourselves, we're going to look to God. We're going to find out what he has for us. And we're going to seek his face. And we're going to ask that he would heal our land and forgive us our sins. We're going to begin by thinking about Psalm 80. And in Psalm 80, the psalmist is asking for forgiveness. He's asking to be restored in God's presence. He's looking to God for revival. And in Psalm 80 and verse 3, the psalmist says, Restore, O God, make your face shine on us, that we may be saved. How long, O Lord God Almighty, Will your anger smolder against the prayers of your people? And then later on in the psalm, in verse 7, he says, Restore us, God Almighty. Make your face shine on us, that we may be saved. That's my prayer this morning, that God would restore us, that we would know his salvation, that he would save us, that we would humble ourselves before him, and seek his face, and ask him to forgive us. And if we do that, then we're building a foundation that the rest of our lives can be built upon, and some form of recovery out of all that's happening around us can begin to take place. So before we sing that psalm, let's turn to God in prayer. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God who cares about us. And in the midst of lockdown, whenever we may feel neglected, we thank you that you are with us every step of the way. Lord, today we pray that you would humble us. Show us where we are arrogant. Show us where there is pride in our lives. And humble us, Lord, so that we might seek your face and find your forgiveness and discover healing for this land. Restore us, O Lord, so that we would know your salvation. Take away our sins, Lord. Bring us the salvation that can only come through Jesus Christ. And Lord, may we have new meaning and new purpose in our lives through Jesus. Amen. Our first item of praise today then is Psalm 80. It's going to be sung by the Sons of Korah. So it's not a version that we would know very well. It's not a version that we would normally sing. But they sing the words straight out of the Bible. And they're powerful words. So let this psalm be your prayer today. Restore, O Lord. May I know your salvation. Psalm number 80.
1: Second Chronicles 7, verses 11-22 to 22. When Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord and the royal palace, and had succeeded in carrying out all he had in mind to do in the temple of the Lord and in his own palace, the Lord appeared to him at night and said, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple of sacrifices. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command locusts to devour the land, or send a plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then i will hear them from heaven and i will forgive their sin and will heal their land now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place i have chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name may be forever there my eyes and my heart will always be there as for you if you walk before me faithfully as David your father did and do all I command and observe my decrees and laws I will establish your royal throne as Covenant did with David your father when I said you shall never fail to have a successor but rule over Israel. But if you turn away and forsake the decrees and commands I have given you and go off to serve other gods and worship them then I will uproot Israel from my land which I have given them, and will reject this temple I have consecrated for my name. I will make it a byword and an object of ridicule among people. This temple will become a heap of rubble. All who pass by will be appalled by it and say, Why has the Lord done such a thing to this land and to this temple? People will answer, Because they have forsaken the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who brought them out of Egypt and have embraced other gods, worshipping and serving them. That is why he brought all this disaster upon them. Amen.
0: There are two parts to this message today. Uh, The first part, Solomon is building a temple for the Lord, and he is dedicating the temple to God's service. And then in the second part of the message, God replies to all that Solomon has said. Uh, and you'll be able to follow along in Second Chronicles. Uh, Zara has already read from Second Chronicles chapter 7, uh, which is God's response to Solomon. Uh, but this first bit is Second Chronicles chapter 6, where Solomon is dedicating the temple. And really, I suppose what Solomon is doing here, is he's trying to tell the people and indeed tell god what the temple is going to be used for now do remember as we're talking here that this is a temple in the old testament it's the place where god would come to meet his people and where the people would come to meet god now today we don't have a temple we have the church The church, as we've discovered over these weeks of lockdown, is not the building, but it's the people. So, we the people are the place where God dwells in the world today. Wherever we go in the world, God is with us. And so, as Solomon is setting out the reason for a temple and what a temple does, I suppose, in a way, he's setting out the reason for the church. Uh, and what the church does, and you can read it in in 2 Chronicles chapter 6. It's a little bit like a, a newly married couple... Uh, looking for their first home and whenever they find a home that they would like to buy and that they would like to move into they have all these wonderful aspirations of what this home is going to be about this is the place where we're going to live together Uh, this is the place where we're going to invite our friends and we're going to sit around this table and whenever friends come they can come and they can stay and they can go up into the spare room and they can stay with us there At Christmas, we're going to have the most wonderful parties and we're going to gather around the dining table and sit there and eat and chat and talk. And this house is going to be a wonderful place. Now, in reality, whenever they move into that home, they're going to be busy, they're going to have work, they're not going to have as much time for people to come and stay and live with them. Or if somebody comes and stays for a night too long, they're going to get irritated and they're not going to enjoy them coming to stay as much. So whenever Solomon sets out what the temple is about, he's saying to Israel, don't deviate from this. This is what you are about. This is your identity. And as the church, this is our identity as well. And so Solomon is saying to them in Second Chronicles chapter 6 that this is what the Lord's house is all about. And he uh, stands before the Lord in verse 12 uh, and following there. He's standing before the altar of the Lord. And uh, this is significant because the altar is in the outer court. It's there at the center of the focal point. It's where you would see sacrifices being offered. And so Solomon positions himself there so that he's acknowledging that he needs sacrifice made for him. He needs forgiveness for his sins. And he declares from uh, verses 13 and 14 and, and 15, he says, Lord, the God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven or on earth. And so he's reminding the people that this place has been set up for a great God and we the church are here on earth because of our great God. There is no one like him. And in a time of crisis, there is no one like him as well. And so Solomon goes on to uh, look around the temple and give the aspiration as to what this temple is like. In verse 22, he's saying that if anyone in Israel wrongs their neighbor, then they should come to the temple and they should take an oath before the Lord and they should find forgiveness from God. He will vindicate their innocence. So whenever you do wrong, you're to come to God and seek forgiveness from him. He then goes on to say in in verse 24 that if Israel is defeated by their enemies because of sin, because of wrongdoing, because they've turned their back on God, they're to come to the temple and they're to fall before the Lord, and they're to cry out before the Lord, and he will hear them from heaven and forgive the sin of his people, and he'll restore the land back to Israel again. And then in verse 26, he says, whenever there's no rain on the land and the people are suffering and the crops aren't growing, if the people will come back to God, If they'll admit their sin, if they'll admit their wrongdoing, then the Lord will hear them and He will teach them the right way to live. And if they will just come before Him, then they will find God to be a God that they can trust in and they can rely upon. And then, significantly, in verses 28 and following, I suppose for our uh, situation today, Solomon says that whenever there is famine or whenever there is plague in the land, then the people can come to God and they can admit their sin before the Lord. They can turn to him again, trust in him again, and the Lord will, be good, will forgive them and will deal with everyone according to all that they do. And he, the Lord, will know their hearts And know that they have truly returned to him. And that's a call for us today. That whenever plague or famine or pestilence comes upon the land. We should come before God. We should humble ourselves before him. Ask for forgiveness. And we should turn to him and seek him. And then Solomon goes on. There's other things in in this chapter as well that he gives in his prayer. Whenever a foreigner prays towards the temple, whenever someone who doesn't know the Lord God Almighty comes, they'll find God here. Whenever the people are sent out to war, out into the difficulties of this world, if they turn to God, if they come to the temple and seek God before they go, then God will bless them and be with them. And verse 36, he says, whenever the people sin against God, if they come to the temple, they'll find forgiveness. And whenever we sin against God and whenever our nation sins against God, if we turn to him, then we will find forgiveness today. And so Solomon ends his prayer uh, by saying that may the Lord hear the prayers that are offered in this temple. May God hear the prayers of his people in his church today. And then we come to the response that God makes to this prayer, to these aspirations that Solomon has for the temple. And that's the passage that Zara read to us earlier. And that verse 14, which stands out so clearly, where God says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive them their sin and will heal their land. The Lord says to Solomon, I've heard your prayer. I've heard what you want this temple to be all about. And here's the deal. If you'll humble yourself, if you'll seek my face, If you will find forgiveness in me, I'll forgive you and I will heal the land. Is that not a message for us today and a message for our nation today? That if only we will return to God and seek him and confess our sin, confess the sin that we have turned our backs on God, confess the sin that we have been arrogant, living our own ways, making up our own rules, going against God's word, if we would just humble ourselves before the Lord and say to him, Lord, you know what? You know what's best. You know better than I know. You know every detail. I'm coming to you now and I'm confessing my sin and I'm trusting in you. And today, that's what we need for our nation. We need the leaders in our nation to come out and to call our people to prayer and to seek the Lord and to come humbly before him. We need leaders in our nation to stand up and to say that the only way out of this is to come to God and to bow humbly before him. But the question today is, Why am I so arrogant? The question is for each one of us today to ask this question of ourselves. Because it's very, very easy for us to point the finger at government. To point the the finger at leaders. And to say, why have you gone against God? Why don't you change the laws to be in line with God's law? Why don't you do this? But the question today is, why am I so arrogant? And I want you to ask that same question of yourself today. Why are you so arrogant? Why am I so arrogant? Well, I suppose I think at times that I know better than God. I suppose at times I'd rather do things on my own, than have to turn to God and seek him. At times, I like to use my own skills rather than admit that I'm weak and helpless and I need God. And so why am I so arrogant? Because of sin. I'm arrogant because I'm sinful. I'm arrogant because I think I know better than God. And that is the root of all sin that we think we know better and we think we have a better plan. And so God tells us today, indeed, He pleads with us today don't be arrogant. Humble yourself. Seek my face. Find forgiveness in me, and then I will forgive you and heal your land. What would that be like for us today? To come before the Lord and to seek him. To be humble. Humble enough to admit that we're arrogant and to ask for forgiveness. We can point the finger at our leaders, but we need to point the finger at ourselves. We need to humble ourselves and come to the Lord and find restoration in him. Let's bow before him in prayer before we sing our final hymn together. Heavenly Father, we humble ourselves now in your presence and we ask, Lord, that you would forgive us. Forgive us for the pride that has taken over our lives. Forgive us for our sinfulness that we've turned our backs on you and lived our own lives. Forgive us, Lord, we pray this day. Restore us, that we might know your salvation, that we might trust in you, that we might find our hope in you. For we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our final hymn today is Amazing Grace. My chains are gone. Just reminding us of all that God has done for us in offering us this forgiveness. And it is amazing that he would offer us his grace. And because of that, because of forgiveness, the chains that hold us are gone. We're set free. We're trusting in our Saviour. It may seem strange to be giving a prayer of thanksgiving for an offering during a virtual service. But this is a moment for us to reflect on what God has given to us and also then what we give back to God. Also, the offering does still take place because many of you have signed up uh, standing orders to give or you're still filling your envelopes and uh, you're sending those in uh, week by week or month by month. And we truly appreciate that. And we want to just take this moment to thank God and to remember what He's given to us and remember that we can give to Him. So let's pray together and give thanks. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you have proved faithful to us, even in these times of lockdown that we have never experienced before. We thank you, Lord, that you have drawn close. And we thank you, Lord, that we are still able to give to you. And so we pray that you would accept our offering and that you would use it for your kingdom. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever seen those piles of stones that people take very careful attention to and build round the coast of Port Stewart? If you're ever walking along the coastal path, you'll see piles of stones set on top of each other. They're all balanced very intricately. And they're there, maybe five, six or more stones high. And they look lovely, but they only last for a day or two, because then the tide comes in and hits the stones and knocks them over. The stones are still there, but they're just not balanced quite so nicely. Stones are rugged, they're they're permanent, they're there and they're lasting. Imagine if I told you today uh, that I had a stone. Imagine if I told you that I had a name for my stone, that I called my stone column. You might think I was a little bit eccentric if I had a stone that had a name. But I want to tell you today about a story in the Bible where a man builds a pile of stones and then gives it a name. And that man is Samuel. And you can read about the story in 1 Samuel chapter 7. Because there we're told that Samuel took a stone and set it up between two towns of Mizpah and Shem. And he named the stone Ebenezer. And he said, this far the Lord has helped us. Now, the name Ebenezer means stone of help. So he was saying, here's a stone, I'm setting it up, and I'm going to call it the stone of help. And everyone who looks at this stone will realise that my help comes from the Lord God Almighty. My help isn't in myself, but it's in God. And as you walk past and you see the stone called Ebenezer, you will say the stone of help. And Samuel was setting it up because he was saying that this far in his life, God had helped him. This far, God had been with him and had never let him down. And so he was putting a marker down to say, well, if God has been with me this far, he's going to be with me in the future. And today we are still in lockdown and we might be wondering to ourselves, what's going to happen? How are we going to cope? what's going to happen in a few weeks' time and as lockdown restrictions begin to be lifted slowly, am I going to be okay? Are things going to work out? It would be good to be able to take a stone or to build a pile of stones and and set it somewhere that we would see it. Maybe in the garden you could get a little pile of stones and every time you walk past it, you could say, look, there's Ebenezer, the stone of help. That reminds me that up to this point in my life God has been with me and he's still going to be with me in the future that he hasn't let me down so far and he's not going to let me down as I go on in the future there's a chorus which isn't going to appear in the main service this morning, but there is a link to it on the website. And I would encourage everyone to go and listen to the chorus because it's based on 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 7. And it takes those two verses of the Bible and puts them to a tune. And if you were to listen to that chorus a couple of times, you would have those two Bible verses memorized and they are wonderful Bible verses to remember at this time, to help us that we trust in God and we remember that he's been with us this far and that he won't let us down. The words of the chorus simply go like this, humble your heart right where you are, you are in his hands. There's no need to fuss, you know you can trust in his perfect plan You're in his plans. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. What a wonderful Ebenezer stone those two verses are. You could maybe even write out those two verses and and stick them onto your stone so that it's there to remind you. Humble your heart right where you are. You are in his hands. There's no need to fuss. You know you can trust. In his perfect plan, you're in his plan. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Why Jesus? Today I want to say, why Jesus? Well, simply because he is always with me and he has never let me down. There's an old story that's told of a group of friends who uh, decided that they were going across a lake in a boat. And uh, one of the friends fell asleep. And and while he was asleep, uh, there was a storm whipped up. And the rest of the friends in the boat became quite worried about what was happening. Many of them were experienced fishermen. They'd been out in the lake before. So they knew what a storm was and they knew how to cope in a storm. And yet on this particular occasion, they thought the worst. They thought they were going to die because the storm was whipping up so badly. And yet still the other friend remained fast asleep. And so they went and they woke him and and they said, look, the storm's here. Don't you care if we're going to die? And Jesus looked at them and he looked at the storm and he commanded the waves to be quiet and for the wind to still. And he asked them, why do you have so little faith? Why Jesus? Because he's able to calm the storm. Why Jesus? Because he cares enough about me to be able to change the things around us. At the minute, we are in the beginnings of this worldwide pandemic storm of coronavirus. The death tolls are horrendous, not only in U.K. but right across the world. Why Jesus? because he's with us in the boats in the storm he's there to protect us and to watch over us he's there to keep us and he will not disappoint us and he will not let us go why Jesus because he can be trusted and because he alone has the power to calm the storm.
1: Hi everyone hope you're all keeping well and safe um, through this crazy time that we're all experiencing. Um, it's hard to believe that it's almost four years ago since I left beautiful Port Stuart um, to venture to New Zealand um, where I worked on a large dairy farm for 18 months. I'm now living in Australia um, it's coming into our winter time um, and it's safe to say that I've turned pretty soft. Um, a simple nice 17 degree day is actually really cold for me now. <laughs> Um but yes now I'm working um still working with animals so I'm in my element every single day. I love what I do. Um travelling has been the best thing that I've ever done. Um I've experienced so many weird and wonderful things that have left my family in shock and disbelief. Um but I've finally settled down with my partner Brad in a town called Corleus in Victoria. Um, There's no getting me away from the seaside um, and we're pretty lucky to be about a 10 minute walk from the beach. Um, It comes in handy as well because just before Christmas we adopted a puppy. Um, We call him Charlie and he's just the cutest little thing ever. Um, And he definitely keeps us on our toes, that's for sure. Um, As everyone would have seen in the news about the devastating bushfires that raged across Australia, um, it's really no surprise that the country is still recovering. Um, in Victoria, to give you a fair idea of how bad it was, I live about three, four hours west of the Gippsland area, um, where I had the biggest devastation. Um, the smoke travelled all the way over to us and stayed for a good few weeks. It really was truly awful. Um, the brown, grey, smoky haze just made everywhere so eerie. Um, and it was extremely hard to breathe in, um, but it just made us think of all the poor families that were stuck right in the middle of this smoke and how awful it would have been. Um, But to put some positivity upon that disaster it's really amazing to see the pictures of the completely burnt land um, showing some green regrowth and so it does give the country reassurance that we'll recover. Um, As for all the koalas that were hurt and through the fires if you follow Port Macquarie Koala Hospital either on Facebook or just google it they have some really really amazing stories of specific koalas um, they're all named um, and it just describes their journey from rescue to recovery. Um, and some of them are starting to get released into the wild again. So again, there is positivity at, at the end of all this, Um, disasters. The coronavirus, um, it's affecting the entire world and it's really crazy to think what the new normal will be um, when this all passes. Um, We went into stage two restrictions at the end of March Um, there wasn't really um, much difference other than a couple of social distancing measures. Um, But a few days later um, stage three was enforced um, where businesses were shut down, um, restaurants shut down, there was no public gatherings um, and unfortunately a lot of people lost their jobs. Um, Brad and I were both very lucky that we've kept our jobs so that stress wasn't put upon us. But I can't stop um, thinking about all those families that were thrown in the deep end, um, waking up one morning and not having a job, wondering how they're going to make ends meet. Um, and I'm sure it's, it's, it's the same everywhere in the world, um, as I would imagine. Um, we haven't actually been hit as bad as the UK, Europe, China. Um, but we still had 7,000 cases um, and 100 deaths. Um, but to put some, shed some light upon that situation, we ran out of toilet paper too. (laughs) Um, lockdown or not, why people thought they needed to stock up on toilet paper is, is really funny. Um, our supermarkets are just about catching up with the demand. Um, yeah, which is, it's really funny actually. Um, but yeah, I think we've got enough toilet paper to do us the rest of our life. (laughs) Hope everyone's staying safe and I'm keeping you all in my prayers. Take care. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, you are the God of all compassion and comfort. We thank you that you listen to our prayers. We pray today for our world, our nation, our city, our church as the coronavirus spreads. Please help to all our communities according to their needs. Heal all those affected and strengthen all those who have the responsibility for care. In your mercy, please provide a cure and give wisdom to those seeking to develop a vaccine for this condition. We pray too for ourselves. Enable us to walk by faith, help us to be careful and wise in taking whatever precautions are necessary to limit and contain the spread of this virus. Strengthen us to remain calm while vigilant, responsible citizens seeking the welfare of others above ourselves. At times of uncertainty and anxiety, Help our world to look to security in your Son, Jesus Christ, and give courage to Christians as we point others to the one in whom there is always hope through, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
0: We come to the end of our service today. And my prayer for you as we finish our time of worship together is that you would know the salvation of the Lord. And so that's what this blessing at the end of the service is about today, based on 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14. One of the interesting things about the service being split up into all these little sections uh, and then put onto the internet is that I can tell how many people watch each particular video in the service. Now, I wish I could tell who those particular people are, but I can't do that. But I can tell how many times uh, people have watched the sermon, and I can tell how many people have watched the introduction, uh, uh, and so on. And the thing that amazes me about the services. How few people get to this point in the service. How few people bother with the benediction at the end. It's incredible. And yet I would say that perhaps the benediction is maybe the most important part of the service because it's the blessing that I'm praying for you as you go about the rest of this week. It's the blessing that I am praying that having worshipped together and sought the Lord together, this is my prayer for you. And and who of us doesn't need prayer? And who of us doesn't need a blessing? So as we end the service today, this blessing is for each one of you as we have worshipped the Lord together. So let us pray. Today I pray that we may be humble before the Lord, that we may seek the Lord and find him, that his blessing of forgiveness may be upon us, that he would restore us, and that we would know his salvation, and that he would heal this land. For we ask all of this in the name of the Father,
1: the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.